Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing our series in the book of James, and I want to invite up Carson Smith, um, who is going to do our scripture reading for us this morning. And um, Carson, so y'all, let's give him a round of applause. And so y'all know, Carson recently got an award in the community for being a reader of the year. And so we're excited to have him read for us this morning from James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Okay, you got it. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take sheep as an example. All thought they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of a bot of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one life on fire, and it's and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. With it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh, fresh water. Amen. Awesome job. And if y'all didn't know, Carson is Oscar's son. So just in case you're, you're trying to put together connections here. Well, thank you, Carson, um, for sharing that scripture word with us from James chapter 3. And now, when I was a few years older than Carson, I had joined the Boy Scouts. And when I joined the Boy Scouts, I was finally able to purchase this one thing I'd always wanted at the Boy Scout camp store. And this thing, I had been looking forward to getting it because I had grown up in Cub Scouts, and when you're a Cub Scout, you're not allowed to buy this thing in the store. But if you've ever been to a, a store at a Boy Scout camp, I mean, you can imagine what it's like, right? It's, it's full of knives, it's full of sleeping bags, of rope, of all sorts of other amazing things that, that kids just love and want to get into. But before you could buy this thing that I wanted, you had to have a special, I guess you'd call it a badge. And the badge was called the Fireman Chit. 
And this badge is what you had to have in scouts before you could really start building fires on your own and handling matches and other things. And to get this badge, you had to agree to a few things. You had to agree that you would only build a campfire when necessary and when you had the permits. And in case you're not aware, May 1st, the burn ban goes into effect. You can't have fires after that. And then you had to see that the fire was attended to at all times. You had to have water and or a shovel ready. And after a class and after years of experience and learning, I finally got my little badge. And so I was able to go to the camp store and get one of these, a hot spark. Does anybody know what a hot spark is? Yes, those of you who are in Scouts, you know what it is. But basically, it's a piece of steel and it's a little uh, rod made of minerals. And with this, you can basically start a fire anywhere and any time. All you need is a little kindling, some cotton balls or some dryer lint or some pine straw or stuff like that. And then, then you just go like this. And then you can start a fire anywhere you want. Right? Any kids, right? You want this as a kid, right? This is like the best investment I ever made as a kid. It was about $3.99. I had saved up. I got one, and then I went ahead and bought a second one in case the first one was taken away. And I was so excited to finally have my own hot spark. And the hot spark served me well over the years. It helped me start many fires where I could cook things, where I could have some heat when we were camping out and other things like that. I loved it because it was so powerful for me as a 12-year-old to have the power to start a fire in my pocket. And y'all are laughing because that's scary, right? It is scary. It's scary, but you know what's scary is James says in the passage that Carson read that all of us, we actually have something more powerful than that hot spark that we carry with us every day. Something that might seem small, but it can actually produce great effects. And James says that thing that we carry around with us every day is our tongue and the words that it produces. And if you've been with us the last few weeks in James's letter, we've been going through it kind of chapter by chapter, and he's been writing to these early Christians, and he's been emphasizing how we can have a faith that works, a faith that's real in this world, a faith that makes a difference in our lives and in the lives of other people. And so he says a faith that works is a faith that is put into action, a faith that reveals itself by its works. And today he continues and he says real faith, a faith that works, is also a faith that's put into action, not just by loving works, but by loving words. And he talks about how powerful our words can be, how even though they seem small and maybe inconsequential at times, they can have a large effect. And he uses three different images right off the bat to help us understand how powerful our words are. So the first image he uses is one of a horse and the bit in a horse's mouth. Now, we got any horse riders here? I don't even exactly know how this works. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. But it's a piece of metal that goes in the horse's mouth, and it's kind of connected to the reins there. You can see the rings, and there's a metal bar in his mouth. And depending on the amount of pressure you put on it or how you kind of guide the reins, it helps steer the horse to the left or to the right. It helps it speed up or helps it slow down. That one small piece of metal 
can guide the whole horse. And then James continues and he gives another image. Maybe some of you can relate to. He gives the image of a ship. And now, when James is writing, they didn't have steamships like this. They had, they had ships that were guided by the wind. But pretty much every ship has a little rudder at the back. And so in the midst of high storms, in the midst of waves that are crashing, if a ship didn't have a rudder, it would just kind of go aimlessly throughout the water. But it's that small rudder in the back that helps guide it in different directions. And then finally, James uses that image of a spark or a fire. And he says the tongue and the words it produces, they're like a spark. It might seem small, but ultimately a spark can set a great deal of things on fire. And James is using all of these images to help us see this one big idea. And that's this, that our words may seem small, but they can have a large impact. Our words may seem small, but they can have a large impact. And James is quick to emphasize, if you notice, he's quick to emphasize that our words can easily have a large negative impact in our world and the world around us. He's quick to describe what happens a lot of times. Our words are like a spark, right? A spark, if you do it in the wrong place and you set a fire that doesn't have any kind of boundaries around it, that doesn't have any kind of control, what happens? A huge fire starts. A fire that can easily leave death and destruction and darkness in its path. Some of you might remember the wildfires that happened in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in November 2016. These fires burned for days. I got the stats here. The fires burned over 16,000 acres. 2,400 homes and buildings were damaged. 14 people were killed from this wildfire. And it was the worst wildfires on the East Coast since 1947. And I don't know if you know how those wildfires were started. According to reports... There was a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, and they were on a hike, and they had some matches, and they were just lighting matches and throwing them on the ground. I don't know if you've ever done that thing where you put the match on top of the box and you flick it. They were probably just having fun, right? They flicked one, and it went over there. It went out. They did another one. It went out, and they, they weren't thinking much about it, but then apparently they did one. It hit the ground. It lit a, lit a piece of pine straw. Pine straw lit some leaves, the leaves lit some sticks, the sticks began to climb up the trees, and then the wildfire spread. And it led to darkness and to destruction. And that's the way it can be with our words, too, if we're not careful. And really, all of us know that this is true because we've been on the receiving end of words that hurt us. Of words that caused a type of death or destruction inside of us. When I was in the sixth grade, I went to Conyers Middle School. We were the Bulldogs, and every day we went to PE. We changed out, put on our PE clothes, and once a week, we did the most miserable thing you can imagine. We just ran laps around the gym. It was terrible. 
And we played a lot of fun games too, like battle ball and other things. But I don't remember a lot of the games we played. But what I do remember is running around the gym and another sixth grade boy named Ronald yelling at me. Yelling, run, Porky, run. And as a sixth grader who had a lot of questions about self-image and self-worth, those words stuck with me. And they haunted my heart. And you've had words like that in your life. If you look back, you've had words where maybe a spouse said something really quickly. And it wounded you deeply. Maybe it was a boss who who just said something completely demoralizing to you at work. Or it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend who, who just said goodbye with no explanation. Maybe it was somebody who didn't even know you. We've all been on the receiving end of words that hurt us and that cause darkness in our lives. And I don't know if this is still a thing with kids. Do y'all know this one? You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Right? Kids, kids, do y'all still learn that growing up? Do people still teach you that rhyme? Okay, well, as you grow up, you can ask any adult in the room, what life experience will show you is that that rhyme is absurd and it's not true. Because wounds from sticks and stones oftentimes heal. They heal a lot of times quicker than the wounds from people's words. A lot of us had broken bones growing up. Those are all good now. We, we scraped our knees growing up. They're all good now. But a lot of times, words that people have spoken to us, about us, or over us have stuck with us. And they've taken a long, long time to heal. Our words have the power to hurt other people. And we know this is true, not just because we've been on the receiving end of it, but because we've also spoken words over other people that hurt them as well. James in chapter 1 calls us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, but as we talked about so often in our world, we're quick to speak and slow to listen. And so our words have come out and they've done Damages. James says, we're all guilty of cursing other human beings who've been made in God's likeness. And here he's not just talking about our, our, our physical words that are audible. I mean, here he, he's talking about words that we may sign. He's talking about words that we might text, words that we might tweet out. He's talking about all of the types of communication that we do. A lot of times it seems small, it seems insignificant, and so we just blurt it out or we just send it out. Not thinking about the effects. But I want to help illustrate the effects right now. So I need, I need two kids who are maybe like five to eight years old. I need two volunteers who are willing to come up on stage. Okay, we got one there. All right, any over here? We need one, anybody over here? All right, all right, we got over here. Okay, come on up, come on up. Okay, do you want toothpaste or shaving cream? We'll do toothpaste, we'll do toothpaste for you. Okay, so we got our toothpaste here. Let me get the shaving cream. 
Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do kind of a fun activity. Try not to make too much of a mess. But what I want you to do, here, here's, here's a shaving cream, here's a toothpaste for you. And so it goes in here and in here, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to count down from 10 as a church. And I want you to get out as much of that into these containers as you can in those 10 seconds, okay? All right, 10. There we go. Okay. All right. Wow, they're both blue. They're the same color. I wonder if it's the same thing. That's kind of weird, right? Um, okay. Good job. So now we're going <laughs> to... Figured it out. It's okay. All right, all right, all right. So now, here's the fun part. What we're going to do is we're going to count down from 10 again. And what I want you all to do is I want you all to put um, the shaving cream and the toothpaste, put the contents back in the container, okay? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, uh, y'all, how, how was that, getting it back in there? It's not possible. How was it for you? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of impossible, right? But so, this is really what we do with our words a lot of times. We're quick to speak. We just send out our words in the midst of our noisy world, and a lot of times, what do they do? They make a mess. And sometimes we enjoy the mess and we like to play in the mess. Other times we, we don't want to get in a mess, right? But our words, they make a mess that's oftentimes not easily cleaned up. And so we need to be careful with them. Let's give them a round of applause for helping demonstrate that. All right. Thank y'all. Okay, you want a paper towel? She doesn't like messes, I can tell, <laughs> by the dress and, and by the toothpaste. All right. Here, you can have this, too, as a remembrance of this day. Okay. <laughs> just don't spray it in here, only at home, okay? All right, you can just leave that in here. Perfect, thank you. That's what happens. That's what happens with our words, with our lies. With, with our slander, with our gossip, with our discouraging words, with devaluing words. That's what we do. We just send them out, not always realizing they're making a mess that isn't always easily cleaned up in the lives of other people. And so as James says, our words are small, but they're very powerful. They can have a powerful negative effect, but then he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say they can also have a very powerful positive effect as well. He says, look, with our words, we can praise our Lord and Father. And he points us to the reality that our, our words, they can bring death and darkness and destruction in this world, but they can also bring light and life to other people. It's like a spark, right? A spark without boundaries and without control and in the wrong conditions can cause a forest fire. But a spark 
in the right setting in the midst of a fire ring can also provide light. It can provide heat. It can provide the means to cook food. I mean, if you're on a desert island and you get a spark, it can change everything for the better. When I was in seventh grade, we took a field trip to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, which is one of the largest underground cave systems in the world. And it's over 400 miles of caves. And there are areas where you can get dirty and go spelunking with headlamps and everything. But there's a lot of caverns in this cave that are larger than this room. And so we were on a tour of just middle schoolers acting crazy. We get down in one of these, and one of the guides tells us that caves are one of the few places in this world where you can experience complete darkness. Because there's no light, and so your eyes, they don't adjust at all, like in other places. And to demonstrate that, she cut off the lights in the cave. And you can imagine what happened, right? Every middle schooler just screamed at the top of their lungs for about 30 seconds. And then it went silent. And we stood there in that darkness. And then the guide just lit a single match. And suddenly, you could see again. Because with that one match in the midst of complete darkness, our eyes began to adjust and we could see. It brought light. It brought us life. That's how it is with our words. They can bring light and life into our lives and into the lives of other people. And last night I was at a wedding in Birmingham where I was officiating um, for a guy I grew up with. We were in youth group together and one of my Sunday school teachers was there. And I remembered something my Sunday school teacher had said to me when I was in ninth grade. One day, he, he pulled me aside. And now y'all might think I was like church choir boy growing up, was just perfect. My parents are here, they can attest. I had a lot of hot sparks and shaving cream and other things. I, I like to get into stuff. And he pulled me aside and he said he wanted to talk with me. And he said, Jonathan, look, he was a very serious guy. He said, look, a lot of seniors have just graduated There's not a lot of people who are older than you in the youth group. And he said, Jonathan, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to be a leader. And he said, God has given you gifts of leadership. And he wants you to start using them. And those words he spoke in me were words of life. He saw something in me I couldn't always see in myself. And it led me on a path I'm still on today. And and you've had people speak words of life into your life as well, right? You've had someone say to you, hey, I know that you don't feel like you're worthy of love, but I love you. I know that everybody in this world has abandoned you and you feel like that, but I'm here for you. And God's here for you. Hey, I know that you don't like the way you look, but you're beautiful. Hey, I know you feel like you're just moving in a crazy direction and you're like a ship without a rudder, but God has a purpose for you. God wants to guide you and lead you into a great place in the future. We've all been on the receiving ends of words like that. That's why in Proverbs 18, 21, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. 
And God wants us to use our tongues, our words, to speak light and life into the lives of other people. Parents, He wants you to speak words of life into your children and to speak words of love and of comfort to them. Children, students, He wants you to speak words of encouragement to your parents. A lot of times they feel like they don't know what they're doing, and so when you feel like they're doing something right, tell them, encourage them. Amen? God wants us in our workplaces when morale is low and it just feels like a toxic environment. He wants us to be words of encouragement. He wants us to build people up. Spouses. Instead of complaining and arguing with our words, He wants us to encourage one another, to encourage our spouses, to honor them above ourselves with our words. God wants us to use our words to bring light and life to other people. But we know, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we try and we fail. As James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then he, he just says it very straightforward. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. And in the midst of this discussion, he says, look, as humans, we can tame animals. But as humans, we can never tame our tongues and our words that we speak. And so when we read it, it almost sounds hopeless, doesn't it? It almost sounds like, why even try if we can't do it? But what he's pointing us to here is the fact that if we try to tame our tongue on our own, if we try to control our words on our own, that we will fail every single time. Because it's not our power, it's not our effort that can make the difference. What we need is God's power. We need God's presence working in us. We need the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. And as our hearts are transformed, then God will give us the ability to transform our words. And we'll be able to speak Words of life and love consistently and constantly to other people. And as we speak those words to other people, it will help change the world and it will help change the worlds of people around us. At least that's what happened when a couple of video producers put a microphone and a set of headphones on a random street corner. So I want to invite you to sit back and to watch this clip. Oh, this is hot. Can you hear me? Loud and clear? Hello, Annie. So, Wes, I know you've been my boss for a couple of years now. 
you have been a really great mentor to me, and I really appreciate that. So I just want to thank you for being a great dad. You're always there to support me, even when I say, no, I don't really need this talk right now, but you're there nevertheless, and it's always just great to have someone to rely on. For the past 12 years, you've been my best friend, and uh, I want to thank you for everything you've done for me. You've always been there for me, my number one friend. I think we both know that this is going to go a lot farther than school. Although I know we've only been married for a year and a half, I know I don't always acknowledge how awesome you are. You have a great sense of humor. You're witty and sharp. You're a kind person and always thoughtful of others. You are one of the sweetest, kindest, most thoughtful men and people in my life, and I really appreciate that. And the whole time you were growing up, you made it so easy to be a mom. I don't know if I've ever told you that. You are absolutely beautiful, absolutely, and you are so, so talented. Keep doing what you're doing because it is going to take you places. Do we, do we switch spots? Is that what we do? Jackson? Yes? I'm so lucky that you're in my life today as not only a coworker but as a friend. You're someone that inspires me every day just to keep a positive attitude and to laugh and smile and stay lighthearted. I always really appreciate how you start singing at the drop of a hat because you have such a beautiful voice and I love the way that you filled my whole childhood with song. First met you 12 years ago in kindergarten and I'm so glad I did because you've been my best friend ever since. It's the best, so thanks. The compliment I want to give you today that I've never said to you before is your awareness of other people and how nice you are to everyone in the room. You're very good at making everyone in a room smile, putting everyone at ease. I admire that so much in you. You're honestly such an amazing person. You are my best friend in the world, and you always will be. All I can say is that I really love you, and I don't know, it might be hard for you to believe because I don't act like it sometimes, but I do. I like to say that I take after you because I think that you're just such a great person and I aspire to be more like you as an adult. And I think that if I could be just like my mom, that would be the greatest gift I could have. You're the most beautiful woman I know. I'm so blessed to have you in my life. I probably don't tell you that enough. Yeah. are powerful. They have the power of life and death, and God wants us to use our words to speak life into other people. And today, as we close our service, we're going to share in Holy Communion together. And as we do, we're going to remember some words. We're remembering the words of Jesus Christ, who said that night before he was crucified to his disciples, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And he took bread and he broke it. <laughs> then when the supper was over, he took the cup and he spoke words of blessing to God. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you 
for the forgiveness of your sins. And then Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning, we're remembering those words of Jesus as we come to the table. But as we come to the table, I also want you to remember words maybe hear them for the first time that God is speaking over you today and he's saying to every single person here even if you feel unlovable I love you even if you feel like there's no one else in the world who's there for you I'm here for you no matter the damage you've done with your words to other people I have the power to forgive you No matter the damage that's been done to you in your heart, I have the power to heal you. He says to each of us this morning, come. Come, receive my love, receive my power, receive my presence. Because it has the ability to transform your heart, your words, and the world. And so as we prepare to receive these gifts, Let's give God words of praise and thanksgiving.